Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 288, recorded at Big Dog Studios in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is made possible by TheRealHerbMarket.com Are you looking for a store that specializes in herbal products for health, beauty, your home, and even magic? TheRealHerbMarket.com is that store. Mud Pod Design House Ideas are great. They're what businesses are made of. If you have an idea and want to make it a business, you need a website. MudPodDesign.com makes websites for idea people every day. Are you an armchair herbalist? Loads of well-worn herbal books on your shelf? And romantic ideas about herbs as a lifestyle, with a strange block to actually adopting the herbal practice? That's a clear sign you are. We can help. Today we're talking with Leslie Sheldua, practicing herbalist at Sassy Lama Apothecary, makers of simple everyday herbal products, about moving from being an armchair herbalist into becoming an herbalist in your own right. Now, here are your hosts. I'm Candace Hunter. I'm Patrick Hunter. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Hey, Leslie, welcome back. Hi, thank you. You know, one of the things that really stuck with me after we chatted last time was the huge, the way that you talked about moving from absolutely not having herbs you know, not even really knowing what herbs were to adopting the herbal lifestyle wholeheartedly and that it took many steps and slow progression. And I really loved that. Yeah. Slow and steady wins the race, right? The the tortoise hare. (laughs) Yeah. And I wanted to talk with you a little bit about, because I, when I first started with herbs, I, I grew up in a family that had gardens and stuff, but you know, they, considered, you know, herbs were only what you used in food and cooking. It wasn't a medicine. And when I started studying herbs, I went through a period of about three to five years, if I remember right, where I had lots of books on my shelf about herbs and herbalism. And I was reading about it, but somehow I wasn't able to get myself to actually use herbs as a medicine. So I was thinking, you know, that, that would be something that I think you, you had a bunch of tips and some ideas on how to do that. You have expertise. So. Well, thank you. Gosh. Uh, um, it does add up to a lot of tips uh, over all these years of yeah. things that um, I tried that weren't successful. And I think that's kind of innately what being an herbalist is, is mm-hmm. that we're constantly looking at whatever it is, trying to tweak it just a little bit, make it a little bit better, a little bit tastier, a little bit more consistent. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's that, I think. (laughs) It's so easy. At least I, I found early on it was, and even now sometimes it's so easy to get wrapped around the axle about how you have to do it just this way, just this amount, exactly this varietal, you know, you become frozen. You know, how do you, I, how do you get past that? I, I did it like they said for a while, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like when I find a new food recipe, I do it exactly like they say the first time. Mm-hmm. And then I have this bigger understanding of how all the pieces fit together. And I would look at a way that I could um, make it less daunting, less okay. specific. Um, like uh, last time I talked about one of the first herbs I became friends with was chocolate mint. And um, a lot of times now when things call for peppermint, I don't like peppermint, 
I like chocolate mint. So, you know, I've just adopted that as my mint of my life. Um, and, and it's okay because the chocolate mint is, is not going to be that far off from whatever the peppermint. Right. Um, profile was, it's still going to be in that thing. And you, you can look at the, um, with herbs, there's the physical, the mental, the spiritual connection to each one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of am the same way with sage in terms of a traditional sage smudge stick is done with white sage and ceremonial and all that kind of stuff. Right. I didn't have white sage in Ohio or even out here. I had culinary sage, yeah, but I still wanted that feeling that you could get from a traditional smudge stick. So I made them out of culinary sage. It, you know, the mechanics was the same, dry the leaves and bind them and then burn them. When I was looking for a certain uh, feeling in my life, or if I was feeling like I want to cleanse the negative energy from my room or, you know, whatever it was. And honestly, just making them and having them on a shelf was enough for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was people have asked me, well, that's not traditional. That's not the way it's supposed to be done. And I don't, I don't think there's a supposed to be when it comes yeah. to working with the plants. It's what speaks to us and our, um, hearts and in our bodies. And, yeah. uh, it was a while before I felt comfortable in that. And like, it's okay to work with the herbs in a different way than, what this book says or that teacher says, or the biggest takeaway has definitely been it's personal. Yeah, it is personal. And so you get this big general overview. And then as you begin to work with the herbs, you begin to feel that connection with whatever it's going to be. Yeah. I think for me, it was a lot of letting go of the idea of some authority outside myself that knew more than me. Yes. And for me personally, that was coupled with recognizing that no authority outside my body knows what it's like to be in my body and in my life. You know, doctors have a lot of clue and a lot of insight, but sometimes they don't know because they don't know what it feels like, what you're actually experiencing. For sure. And if you can find a plant that that makes you feel heard or understood or better then why the heck not and and that better might not be that it um fixed you Mm. but that it tasted good yeah and right then and there you needed something to taste good to snuggle into your chair with you know yeah um there's there's power and value in that yes. and understanding that that herbs and plants are um, allies in that way yeah. yeah 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 and i mean even like scientists experiment so why shouldn't we experiment with the plants yeah right? absolutely yeah a lot of it's <laughs> been a lot of you know funny incidences with experiments for sure i'm just can't think of one in particular right now but you know, some things that was like, oh, I didn't mean that 
for that to happen. But now look at this cool thing that happened yeah. from that or whatever. Turned or, out way better than I anticipated. <laughs> I, I took that for this reason. And then all of a sudden that happened. Like what, yeah. you know, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, there was a shaman that I worked with a few years back and he would say, you turn the gears over here to get an effect over there. <laughs> it's kind of like a great big, you know, car engine. You push the pedal here and mm-hmm. the wheels turn and now you're 50 miles down the road, you know? Sure. And all sure. you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, starting something new, the, the fear of failure keeps people from doing yeah. things. I mean, I can read about it. I can do all this stuff, but since I, oh, I can't make it perfect. And I'm afraid to fail. Yeah, it locks people into that into that quote unquote armchair. Yeah. Uh, did you ever feel that? And if you did, how did you get through it? Well, I I suppose I did feel it, um, but it comes back to that um, idea I spoke about last time about challenges being an opportunity, and I wasn't always like that. Um, really that, that came out of my, you know, uh, almost kick in the bucket scene too, (laughs) was you look at life a lot differently at that point. And you hear people say that, right. The near death experience and all of a sudden life looks different and you have a new lease on life and stuff. And, but it doesn't have to be the near death. It can be just some sort of big event in your life that really makes you look look differently at the world. And so for me personally, it was a matter of, well, I'm just going to just keep doing stuff until something works out. And um, the word perspective comes to mind a lot for me because we, you know, we think about failing. I can't do that because I might fail. But if we, if we change that language that we're using of um, not, I can't do that because I might fail, but I'm going to try that because something cool might happen. You know, it's just this shifting of perspective that I think is really important and is it's lacking in a lot of times in a lot of places. And Mm -hmm. I just wish I could take that word and like put it everywhere on billboards (laughs) perspective. Perspective. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Are there any plants that really have contributed to helping you shift perspective or that like when you think about that, that really pop up for you? Well, the, it's changed pretty much every time I have that challenge, you know, right. it's what's the challenge that I'm feeling or whatever. I, um, Oh gosh. See if I could think of a specific instance. There's so many. Um, One of the ones that really struck me when we talked last time, you said the first two plants that you remember, and I know you had more than two in that herb garden, ten foot by ten foot. You had a lot of plants there. (laughs) Yeah. But borage and chocolate mints, and they both to me seemed Mm. like they were so beautiful and poetic in what they are because they're both about persisting and about coming back and about changing perspective. I mean, you know, mint plant, it'll run underground for feet upon feet and pop up somewhere else. 
because that's, that's you know, that's, that's its new true. place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and borage, it refills its, um, the nectar like every 20 minutes or so. So it keeps the bees coming back over and over and over. That's why. See? Yes. Yes. I don't know the science of stuff very yeah. much, but that's, yeah. I didn't know that about borage. Yeah. And borage it's is also persistent. It'll grow. Once you plant it, you've got it for oh, life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that was also one of the ones that, I don't know if it would be literally like currently classified it as an adaptogen, but I think of it as that way because it's one of the ones that when you're going into and preparing for a challenging situation, you take forage. It helps your body prepare. And when you're done with a challenging situation, you have to recover, you take forage because it helps your body recover. It helps you no matter where you're at. That's true. That's, um, um, I hadn't thought of it. Uh, until you said that, but borage is it's known for like um, courage, right? It's yeah. it's a courage plant traditionally or historically. It's it's known as um, or it's associated with courage, and so that's true. I've not worked with borage um, much, like with teas and things like that, but I do work with it just on a spiritual level. I you know I've got some planted out. Um, in my front bed right now that even though we've had a couple of freezes, they are still putting out flowers. They don't, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they, haven't, they haven't agreed that winter's here. They're still doing their thing. And so they're, yeah, strong and, and courage for sure. Um, and they, they, their perspective is, well, I'm gonna keep going. Just keep yeah. doing this, doing this thing I'm doing. It's good. And I do um, thinking along those lines, I work with Yarrow, a lot when mm. I'm feeling, um, I'm feeling anxious about things. Uh, I, mm. I turn to, uh, Yarrow a lot when I feel like I need that warrior strength, right? It's associated yeah. with the whole warrior strength. And, um, so that's a big one. And I work with that a lot in tincture, um, nice. form, but also just in the, the plant itself form, um, not as much with tea because it is quite astringent. And so I yeah. haven't, I haven't yeah. done a whole lot with it in that way. Um, although it is a good tea, I just yeah. haven't made it quite often. Uh, but to just take that plant and smell it, yeah. it's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get a frond of it and put it in the vent of my car and just drive around with Yarrow there just nice. hanging out with me. You know, I love it. <laughs> giving me the warrior strength. And if you ever see the Yarrow at the coast on the Oregon coast, oh, that yeah. stuff is like amazing. It yeah. is so strong and yes. uh, like thick. It yeah. is just, it's monster Yarrow. Yeah. So I particularly <laughs> like to hang out with the monster Yarrow at the coast. <laughs> I mean, think of the elements that it has to survive in over there. It's, yeah. It's oh, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, I love that. The idea of just taking it from being aware of what like Yarrow is, you know, it's associated with like Achilles and the warrior thing yeah. and the healing of wounds and all of that and saying, you know, I'm going to bring that into just just even bring that into my car and drive with it, you know, yeah. take it on my travels. I mean, metaphorically, just even that piece is a big step in the direction of making herbalism part of your just normal life. That's right. It's just right there in the car with me. And the smell of yarrow, 
ironically, since I don't have any connections with nature from my childhood, really, it reminds me of my childhood, the smell of yarrow. So I don't know why that is, but Mm -hmm. it's just the most beautiful. um, Like when you hear a song, right? And it takes you back to a certain moment in your life. Yarrow is like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it awakens your inner child that fierce young girl who is going to rule the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so then there's, you know, um, we were talking about before um, teas. Yeah. So I think about um, when I'm putting a tea together, I'm thinking about those different pieces, like, you know, what, what, what am I looking at in my life right now? What am I, um, what kind of energy am I wanting to put into my world? And it's, so it's like um, Hawthorne, I think about Hawthorne. I think about my heart. And so I want something with um, um, Hawthorne in it. It it tastes delicious. First of Mm -hmm. all, it's absolutely delicious. So it's going to taste good going down. It's going to make me feel warm and loved. You know, you think about Hawthorne in that way. Um, (laughs) So, so blending teas, that's something, I mean, when I first started, I did a couple of things with yarrow. I, I struggled. I mean, honestly, I struggled early on and I think I did find a chamomile tea, but I didn't really, I, it was hard to get started with blending tea myself. Yeah. Do you have tips? I mean, honestly, I think finding a good tea blender like yourself is an excellent, <laughs> that in itself is my personal tip. <laughs> Go to Sassy Lama Apothecary, pick up your tea blend, start there. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's uh, a lot of value in that too. If, if there's people that have, different skill sets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if you really want to drink a good tea with a good blend, that's got lots of warm and fuzzies in it, find a blender, somebody that's selling their blends and buy from them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or, or just start experimenting with whatever that looks like what's grown in the backyard. But it is nice to be able to reach out and I bought blends for a long time Yeah, uh, before I, felt comfortable enough to blend my own and then say, these are really good and I want to share them with folks. So um, I did that. Uh, um, so would that be the like the easiest way to kind of get off the... Get out of the armchair? Yeah, it's just start buying teas and finding ones you like and what's in them yeah. and and then move to that next step because, you know, you figure out what you like and then decide how you want to move forward. Well, that's true. You find a tea blend that you like if you're looking for a particular mood. I mean, a lot of tea blends are associated with a mood or an idea. So you look at that title and you're like, okay. So like I have one that um, when I first made it, I called it grief tea because, um, you know, we don't want to squash grief. If we're right. grieving something, we we want to we should want to walk through that. That's the, yeah. the best way to deal with grief is to walk through it. And yeah, it hurts and yeah. it's painful and sad and all that kind of stuff. But 
walking through it is the healthiest way to handle it. Yeah. And so I made a blend um, of herbs, thinking about what I want to hold my hand while I'm going through grief. And, uh, but then I, I was like, I don't know about that name. Like people might not, because there's not a society acceptance that we should walk through grief, grief gracefully or whatever. So, or maybe not gracefully, but just to let it wash over us. So I played around with different names and I ended up naming it solace, which sounds nicer to me than grief, Mm -hmm. but it's the same idea, right? We're, we're looking for solace if we're hurting or sad or in pain. Um, and so, uh, you know, that blend I've got in it, um, Hawthorne and Linden, which, um, some of my favorite herbalists mm-hmm. that I know you've had on the show, Koch and Ren, they call Linden yeah. a hug and a mug. And oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's true. It's such a, um, loving, uh, tasting herb, if that yes. makes sense. Describe yes. <laughs> it, but Hawthorne and Linden and, um, Tulsi. Um, are all the herbs in there. And uh, I feel like I'm forgetting something else. I don't have my ingredients right in front of me, but. What, you don't have it memorized? I did, you know. <laughs> is that shocking? Uh, okay, so make sure to write down your stuff. Yeah. You're going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I have, pro- and I think this is probably the true with most herbalists, is that I have a thousand notebooks running around yeah. my house. And everyone, I start with the really good idea that this is going to be my current one. I'm going to write down everything I do so I can remember yes. what I did last time because you're not going to remember. Right. None of us ever remember. No. And so I've got about a thousand half-started journals. And mm-hmm. um, <laughs> then I have to remember which one did I write down the most recent incantation of my solace tea or, you know, whatever. How do you know you're hitting the big time? When you see folks wearing your logo out and about. Ace High Graphics can help you get your logo out there with custom design apparel, like hats and hoodies and tees with custom bags and more. Ace High Graphics can do small runs as little as 10 items or hundreds to meet your needs. We'll help you be seen no matter how large or small you are. Visit acehighgraphics.com. Um, and that's okay. It's okay to... Uh, not quite remember what you put in each blend and because sometimes a happy accident might happen and you're like, oh, that tastes even better. And I forgot to put that herb in or this herb in. Yeah. I think if you're starting out too, that's, that's the, that's the creative part. There is no, there's no rule. It's okay to let go of. Right. And if, like you said, if you make something great, make a note of it. If you make something no one wants to drink, Mm-hmm. Make a note of it, <laughs> you yeah. know. Uh, so you're saying I should make a note of those ones that you didn't like. <laughs> I, well, there's a difference though. Those ones were targeted specific. Well, no, they they just you liked them and I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but you know, anytime that we're starting this kind of stuff, knowing those things, but having again, I think it comes back to that freedom to fail. Yeah, uh, is really important, and you know, for the most part herbal teas or, or, or dried herbs that you're going to buy, they don't cost that much in, in general. I mean, yeah. I mean, there are True. a few things that do, but mm-hmm. so if you ruin a batch or a couple cups, it's, it's 
not a financial uh, just you know, you can always use those teas that didn't blend nicely as compost for your plants or, you know, make a Or to put in your bathtub. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, a, that's a really, really good, good point good. to think about herbalism and working with different herbs and your whatever you made not coming out quite right. There's almost mm-hmm. another way yes. you can recycle that. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, actually, you say that and it brought to mind there was a salve that I made many years ago that was really not effective and Mm -hmm. it wasn't, it just didn't turn out to be a great salve. I mean, it had the right consistency and that was about as all that I had done right on it. And I felt horrible and I didn't know what to do with it. And it sat on my shelf in the cupboard, in the back of the cupboard for several years. And then one day it occurred to me that I could take a small bit of it and add some essential oils because I had a cold and I needed to, you know, clear congestion. So I was like, well, you know, whatever that salve was, it didn't do much, but I can add some essential oils and it'll become like one of those vapor rubs. Yeah. Perfect. And that's what I ended up doing with it. So, you know, I eventually did use it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's a great way to see. It's all about perspective. It all comes yeah. back to that word. It's so important of perspective. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what were we, where were we at there on the, so our tips so far are let go of the rules and, and let, let go of the idea of failure entirely. Realize it's not about failure. It's about discovery. Discovery. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Finding that inner child, that person that wasn't afraid to just do one of my earliest memories. This is really weird. I don't know um, what I was. I still don't know what I was doing, but from when I was like five years old, I collected all the jars and bottles and empty spice cans from my mom's kitchen. You know, whenever something got emptied, I took it into my bedroom and I remember playing with them. I don't know what I was doing, like putting water in, pouring one from another. That's almost like your, like your little little girl already knew you were going to be an herbalist. She was practicing. It's like, Oh, I I thought of that when I was thinking about, you know, talking with you guys, I trying to remember stuff. And I was like, even before I knew I knew anything, I wanted to be messing with jars and bottles and pouring things from one end to the other. And, um, that, uh, so just going out and finding whatever that plant is in your yard that, you know, is an herb, right. That you feel comfortable with whatever it is and bringing it inside and uh, throwing it on dinner tonight, maybe, or (laughs) drive with it, travel Mm -hmm. with it. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. just, oh, that could be some interesting things. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe try making some tea with it and just see what it looks like. What does it smell like? You know, yeah. well, I think simple. One of the, you know, most common herbs that are sitting in our yards, if you're in the city especially, is a dandelion. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got and lots of those. They're mm-hmm. such a, an amazing plant from the closed mm-hmm. tops that you can use on mm-hmm. salads. You know, to the leaves that you can use salads, to the roots that you pull out and you can use those um, for liver cleansing. I mean, yeah. if you're yeah. just starting out as an herbalist, I mean, that that herb has got so many uses, that yeah. plant, and it, it's prolific, especially it if you don't, you know, spray for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, there's a lot, once I started 
realizing that things like that existed, right? Dandelion and plantain. And I started looking around. It's, it's yeah. often everywhere around us. Yeah. They're so I do there. a lot of wild harvesting and sometimes I, um, uh, not, I look at it, but I'm looking at where it is if I want to wild harvest it. Right. So if yeah. it's growing in a, in a, speaking of the city in an area of the city that looks a little dicey, I'm probably not going to wild harvest it because you right. don't know what was going on or whatever, but yeah, um, public parks, yeah, which are often, you, can, sprayed, um, you know, avoid yeah, that. you want to watch out for that for sure. There's a lot of different things you want to think about with wild harvesting, including, um, you know, not decimating a population somewhere and all that kind right. of stuff. Yeah. Responsible. But, Be responsible. Yeah. But just looking around your own yard a lot of times is, it can be interesting to you know, whoever mows your yard, your, your person, yourself, whoever did, yeah. don't mow the dandelions. Go, yeah. Let me pick them first. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, can, you know, go out there and um, pull them out. Uh, um, so, but the um, one thing that's, I think people find challenging is they don't, um, the tea can sometimes be time consuming. Yeah. And so they don't want to do it because it, it seems like it's going to take time to make tea that they don't have. Right. And I, um, I drink a lot of tea in a day. I probably make three to four French presses of tea every single day. And if I know I'm home for a couple of days, I just get out the old hundred cup percolator and make yeah. a big pot and drink on that for a couple of days. Because even though this is my love and what I do, I don't want to spend. Yeah much of my time messing around with it um, on the daily. Now I do that when I am trying to find a new blend, when I'm working and I'm trying to oh, yeah. make something up, that's a different story. But just on the daily, if I just want to roll out of bed and get my tea going, I don't have time to be all. Fancy uh, pants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ain't nobody got time for that. So like uh, um, I have found these French presses to be absolutely mm -hmm. life-saving. They work and really well. So, yeah. So simple. I, it's, um, um, it's really easy. And, and because I have my blends made and already in jars, I just have to measure out what I need. And I, I do take the time to measure. Um, although, um, that's just my own personal thing. It, it wouldn't have to be done two tablespoon mm -hmm. or eyeball two tablespoons is just as efficient as, me getting out my measurer and putting in, you know, yeah. half an ounce or yeah. whatever. It's just yeah. how I like to do it. But, um, and then you pour the boiling water over and then you walk away and that's yeah. it. And if you, if you do mm -hmm. three or four, whatever, mason jar full, French press full, there's your tea for the day. And you, you only yeah. had to think about it once for a few minutes. So right. that's yeah. really, um, that makes it a lot easier to, to make tea a regular part of your day for sure. Yeah, it's especially helpful if you have the blend already, like mm -hmm. like you said, in the cupboard. You know, yep. you have these two or three blends or what, however many work for you. But you have mm -hmm. these blends that make you happy, that are the yep. ones that you like, you cycle through them. And in the morning, you decide what your mood is, you know, which, yeah. which uh, mood do I want today or which flavor do I want today? Yeah. Um, and then... um 
I don't know, a couple months ago, oh, it was just after Thanksgiving, I had got out the family china for the Thanksgiving meal mm-hmm. and I was packing it back up because it goes in storage in between. And I said, mm, nope, I'm going to drink my tea out of the good china every nice. day. Nice. Why not? Right? Yes. In this time when we're all home so much more and there's yeah. a lot of sadness associated with that and struggle of mm-hmm. whatever the struggle is. Um, Drink tea out of your china cup. Yeah. It's okay it's to okay. have that on every yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. There's there's <laughs> so nothing wrong fun. with every day Thank being a little celebration. Yeah. So I feel I feel uh, I don't need to ha- make fancy tea to feel fancy when I drink my tea. You know, I love that. Yeah, I love that. That's pretty fun. Okay, that's really sassy. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so yeah, we want it to be uh, simple. You want good stuff in your body, and how can you make that happen? Look at the easy, simple ways to do it, and yeah, buying tea from somebody that finds the pleasure is good, mm-hmm. and um, or you know, playing around with it yourself. I like to when I buy a new herb, I make just a small amount of it, like a I don't know, like a half a cup of hot water let it steep just so that I could taste what the, yeah. the herb is like. And like just a simple. Fun, yeah. And sometimes it's not. Yeah. <laughs> but then at least you know what your flavor is that you're looking for. Yeah. And you can think about what it may or may not be good for. And um, you know what? Ginger is not something I love. <laughs> I want to love it. So I put it in a lot of my teas because I know it's so good for us. And yeah. it's such a helpful plant. Um, and so there's ways to put the plants in that aren't your best friend, mm-hmm. but they're still in there yeah. working with you. And then you've got more Tulsi than ginger. So it still tastes delicious. Right. You know? <laughs> Things yeah. like those are good tips to think about too. Um, I actually bought 10 pounds of ginger from a local farmer this year. No, 50 pounds. What 50. was it? 50 pounds. That's a lot I of can't ginger. Be it must have been 10 pounds. It's still a lot of ginger. It was a lot. It was, uh, I had no yeah. idea what I was doing. I really had. <laughs> um, and because I, well, first of all, I, it grows here locally like crazy. And I kept yeah. seeing it at the farmer's market. And I'm like, what? That's like ginger, ginger, like real ginger. Yeah. And so I said, I, I'd like to buy 10 pounds so I can process my own and put it in my yeah. tea. Well, 10 pounds of ginger is not very much ginger. <laughs> Once yeah. I got it all. Once it's fresh. Um, yeah. Cut it down and dried. And, and yeah. I did, you know, like three or four different methods of drying just to see what, yeah. what I like the best, you know? Yeah. It was a super fun experiment, but um, it's worth it to me to just buy ginger from, you know, the, the place it was a super fun experiment but again I mean yeah. I that could be looked at as a failure of like well it was a lot of money for that ginger and you didn't get very much but it, it wasn't a failure it learned. was a kind of a fun experiment yeah you learned so much doing it mm-hmm. yeah. it's a beautiful plant I really loved working with it yeah so, yeah <laughs> So how can um, people find you? Uh, I have a Facebook and an Instagram, the Sassy Llama Apothecary. If you put that in, you'll find me. Okay. And um, 
I have an online store at this moment. It is a square online store that you can find me. All right. Um, So as always, put an herb on it. it. (laughs) The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.